not happy with myself that I got into that situation. Uh, I'm not I'm not proud of that, but I am proud of what I found in that moment. Hi there. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Hecate, and this is Finding Okay, a healing podcast for survivors of sexual assault and abuse. Today's episode is an excerpt from one of my movie talks with Kim that took a turn. We talked about some darker stuff that I thought might be better off as a standalone episode that has fair warning. Listeners can avoid the subjects if they wish and tune in to a more upbeat movie episode with Kim another week. It's my plan to make movies with Hecate and Kim a monthly treat, so write in if there's something you'd like us to watch and talk about. Today, I share my experiences with a human cadaver lab, responding as a bystander in a medical emergency, and using my wit and words to get an abuser to leave. And now it's time for... Trigger and content warnings for this episode include the following. Death, human anatomy, blood, a story of a medical emergency, trauma, situations of trauma, molestation, stalking, and a single mention of rape as I amend a reference in just a minute. Please check in with yourself and make sure you're all right to continue. I do want to take this moment to address my mention of Kitty Genovese later on. The story I shared was misremembered because I heard it as a child. Kitty deserves her true story to be known and not twisted, sugar-coated, or referenced inaccurately. I will be attaching articles in the episode notes, and I do encourage you to at least read the Wikipedia if you can. When speaking with Kim, I couldn't remember if she had been raped or not, so I left it out. That is unfortunately true. Heads up. While the specifics of bystander inaction were exaggerated by the media at the time, they were still a factor. Kitty could have been saved. People prefer not to get involved, and that is a sad fact. Kitty's death led to the implementation of 911 protocol in 1968 that allows you to pick up any phone, dial 911, and be connected directly to emergency services. You had to dial zero, speak to an operator, and be connected before this. Being able to dial 911 and even have your call traced immediately if you're unable to speak has saved countless lives. Her death is referenced in psychology textbooks and raised national awareness of what is called the bystander effect. People are less likely to step forward or take action when other people are present. Awareness means we are able to choose differently. I think doing that cadaver lab definitely made me like appreciate it on a another level as well and like recognizing just certain like patterns that show up in terms of like the nervous system and uh, the branching of the nervous system, uh, like mirroring the branching of mycelial growth at times or branches, roots, like all just like how how all these things in nature reflect each other. And just like the, the very just like anatomical things that happen in the movie. Like I think just having had that that hands-on experience uh, definitely 
I think changed changed my experience of the movie. And I think that's uh, I mean, I, I recognize that as like yeah, a rare right. experience that not many people have had if they're not medical professionals. Totally, um, totally. And and even some medical professionals these days like haven't had that experience. Um it used to be far more common. And it, you know, and the reason I went after it was um it used to be a part of an artist's classical education was uh was the cadaver lab. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, you see um huh. there's there's a very old uh an old master painting which is uh the what is it the anatomy lesson. But yeah, you in order to become an artist in order to properly depict people, you would have to understand how they they were put together because if you don't and this is and this is lost now um you know and if you if you go into certain branches of art certainly they'll teach you um human anatomy in terms of like well, you know, you have to understand the skeletal system, right, the pro- right. proper proportions, how muscles work, because you can see all that through flesh. That's true. And it changes, yeah. you know, if, if you want something to look real, you have to understand how it functions, how it's put together, how it works. And the way they used to accomplish that back in the old days was if you were an artist, you studied at by taking a person apart. You had oh. to do a cadaver lab to yep. understand how a person was put together. So metal. It, very metal <laughs> and uh, and that fell out of favor over time um and that is no longer a thing there's a great book uh titled stiff the curious life of human cadavers oh interesting and i think okay. you would really appreciate it because it is definitely on the darker side but it's looking at i think specifically within american culture how human cadavers are used and there are very few uses what was very rare is that for for obvious reasons access to human cadavers are extremely restricted as they should be right totally and so even even gaining access to all of the the spaces where human cadavers are used in terms of like weapons testing or crash test work or um, plastic surgery training, et cetera, uh, medical training, um, and then forensics experiments, which are done oh, on totally. body farms. I don't know if you've ever heard of those. That's fascinating and super gross. <laughs> um, but but this author gained access to all of those spaces and was able to go in and and talk to the people who work there to witness testing, like to write up here's what happens if you donate your body right right here's the various uses and and talking about all this stuff and it is it's definitely like it's a dark read but it's written with beautiful humor and um and humanity and it is extremely fascinating understanding those things it it helped me to to really value even further the beautiful gift that a human being gave me two human beings um, right right these people who donated their bodies and that i was able to gain access that i had access to that space and that i was able to learn something from these two people that had passed on and gain this experience from them and that that was a gift that they gave to me and just unlike any other to to hold the organs uh, various organs of a human body and that that was something that somebody gave to me of themselves and this very sacred oh yeah kind of feeling that is pretty i cool. might i might take all this out because not many people can hang when i talk about this sorry <laughs> <laughs> um no, it's, I'm hanging. It's, i love this oh, it's a weird experience to have and and, and it's it's very it's it's weird because it's it's sacred and isolating because it makes people so uncomfortable 
Totally, totally. People get really um I mean, even like myself, like I, I like watching Grey's Anatomy sometimes, mm-hmm. but oof, that, that show gets really brutal with the surgery stuff. Mm. Like, ooh, it's like all practical effects. It's like really well done. It's like too well done, you know? Yeah. It's like your budget is too is is too big for <laughs> all these mm. surgery scenes, you know, Grey's Anatomy. Like you're freaking me out here. Just want a good little hospital drama. I've certainly like <laughs> something that I've noticed is that I I have actually like faced some some gore in in my life with some some medical stuff where like I came upon somebody who was in a like a medical emergency oh, um, that was bleeding to death. So I've seen some in- intense shit and like you know like like a horror movie like a stairwell was pooling with blood and it was oh running down the stairs like very graphic um did, and it did was, you call for an ambulance were you like the first i did i have never run so oh. fast in my life especially without a bra oh my goodness <laughs> and uh so it was very much like the experience of like okay so you think you know how you would be in a crisis here's the crisis and here's how you do and i did i did well good for you um good but i you. did also face the um and it was it, it must have been an arterial nick because if it had been like a full laceration, she would have died. Oh my god! But but it was but it was pumping. Like you could see that like this was a. It, it, I won't get too graphic, but it was very bad. And um, and I don't. I have no idea how she was still conscious. But I had the experience that I had never been prepared for, which was, um, you know, I knew first aid. Like my mother's a nurse, and so I knew like I need to put pressure on the wound. So I took off totally. my shirt, and and I was like please let me help you. Let yeah. me put pressure on this. And I had never been prepared for, what if somebody is panicking so much that they refuse first aid? Oh, sure, sure. And that was her. She she, oh, she was starting to fight me. She was going to fight me. She was like, no, don't touch it. Get away from me. Oh my God. And, and I was facing this situation where I was like, oh my God, she's bleeding to death. I need to put pressure on the wound. But she just she's refusing my help she's starting to fight me if i fight her and force first aid on her i could make it worse yeah you could injure her further i could injure her further and uh and then also just like that deep down like i think that was my main thing but also just that consent thing and and certainly like no one had ever said it to me very clearly which was if someone refuses first aid you're actually supposed to not give them first aid because like I th- right, think it's like right. illegal. It's against the, it's against the rules. Like they have to consent, and uh, and so. But I I had never. No one had prepared me for that situation. That someone would be so lost in yeah, that's intense. panic that they would fight. And and she fought the EMTs when they when they got there. Oh my god, really? She did. I could I could hear her um, fighting everyone the whole time. Um, she was she was just a wreck. Because um, you could mess. almost like like write it off like you you weren't an EMT and she wanted professional help. You yeah, know what I no, mean? it was just her the whole way right. through. She fought everybody. She was just freaking oh. out. Um, she was she was completely panicked. Um, just blind panic. And uh, and honestly, like I sat there like topless in a stairwell, pooling with blood holding my shirt in my hands, like tits out and just <laughs> begging her to let me oh like, put pressure on the wounds. Um, way and to, I was way praying, to paint an image. That's great. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> and, um, and this was like a place I, I didn't know. Like I was on like a summer program for, um, I was taking like a painting class at a, at a university that I didn't attend. So she was a stranger. Everyone was a stranger. 
I actually showed up at the scene thinking it was a domestic dispute because I heard a man's voice yelling before I heard her screaming for help. Oh, jeez. So I yeah. showed up with my pocket knife thinking I was... Ooh. I I showed up ready. Um, yeah, good. And whether that is f- for better or for worse, like, you know, it's... But, but what I heard was somebody screaming bloody murder, like that life or death scream that, like, you recognize it when you hear it. And no one was answering and that oh was something God. that had been talked about like growing up was um what's her name like kitty the woman that you know in the alley like back in the day that was was stabbed and was screaming for help but nobody did anything oh my and God. so I don't know if I and so the, that. oh it was in the news and and because nobody did anything nobody answered her cry for help the guy came back stabbed her more i think like robbed her and then left her but oh he my God. originally, when she started screaming, he started running away. But then right, when he realized right. that nobody was going to do anything, he <sighs> came back. Yes. And that's like the lesson like that I, I always remembered that story that my mother told me was like, you know, and also just like being a Girl Scout and being given those tools to like, here's what to do so right, that you know right. what to do when the time comes and you help people when they ask totally, for help. Totally. And that, that value was really deeply instilled. And like, even if you're scared. You know, like, and if it's safe to do so, right, do right. it. And uh, I bump up against that safety thing. And that's certainly something that my partner, you know, despairs of me. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, so I showed up with the pocket knife thinking that I was, you know, I'm like 5'2", by the way. <laughs> yeah. This is also um, like the beginning of like a horror movie, thriller, like fugitive type of movie where like you've oh, been yeah. framed for something with your knife and you got blood all over you and... I actually don't think I I got it must have been on my shoes. Oh okay. I, oh, I, I don't remember. I don't actually don't remember having blood on me. Oh okay. Was, you yeah. see what I'm saying, right? It looks like Yeah, no, it it does it it does sound like the setup to something. It yeah, was her. Like, it was her. What are you yeah, talking yeah. about? Uh yeah, no, I left my knife on the step. I didn't want to like scare her. Um That's good. That's good. But um oh, it's so scary. It was super intense. And you just yeah, it's it's just that thing of like you never know what your body is gonna do when you're flooded with that adrenaline because it, it hits everybody differently. We all to- respond to totally. it differently. That goes back to what we were talking about with all our characters, with these characters that yes. aren't normally in these situations. Yes. And they're and they're yep. not prepared for what to do and they have a kind heart and they're trying to, you know, their first instinct is to help somebody. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, hurt somebody or be uh, aggressively self-defensive in some way. It's like, you know, the instinct mm-hmm. is to to help somebody and to, to heal and not to, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to be a part of these other things. Or, or like something that's coming up for me is like the, um, the strength of, of having values that you are able to hold on to in the middle of blind yes. fucking panic. Yes. When everything falls away and like. Right. Will you, you become what you hate or yeah, will you it, hold on to your humanity? Yeah, exactly. Like what values shine through? Like what do you hold on to in those moments? Um, and are you able to? And like, and I do want to say like, I don't want to devalue anybody who does panic in a, in a crisis. No, not like, at all. You're just as like valid a person. I think all of these characters we've talked about have panicked moments in these movies and like yeah. rightfully so they're like, there's like, it's like a human reaction. Yeah, it's like that's a the it's normal it's come up reaction. On the show. Yeah, it's it's come up in the show, like especially with, you know, the the history of trauma thing. You know, talking about like fight, flight, freeze, appease, or fawn. 
neither one of them is correct. It's just how it hits you. Yeah, that's true. And uh, and certainly, like you find inspiration in people who maybe like respond in certain ways that represent what you would wish to find in yourself in those in those moments, or trying to find ways to to bring more of a certain energy into your life, having perhaps not responded the way that you wish you could have. Right, right. And uh and and we do we gain strength from stories, we gain strength from characters, and I think that's um, you know, a big part of of why we've been talking about these characters that um that have affected us that have affected our yeah. our ideas of of identity, of uh, of womanhood specifically. We've been talking about women and strong women specifically. Yeah. And in, in different kinds of strong women. Exactly. And not just, you know, this arch- one archetype, but you know. Mhm unique characters that are still universally you can identify with in a big way Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's super important so like it's just like um i think our love for star trek where i could even call it like our our moral hunger for star trek Mm. (laughs) i like that (laughs) because we need like a vision of somewhere that we want to go yeah. Like it's we want to see like a good scenario of someone that could be just like us and how they would deal with this extra ordinary situation and keep their humanity and try to not solve everything with violence, you know, mm-hmm. and try to unite people instead of divide people. I think that's mm-hmm. what's so great about Star Trek is that it just it's like a warm blanket in terms of like, you know, even if they're dealing with some horrible, you know, enemy or whatever, they've got each other, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, and you know, they're, they're, everyone's on each other's side, unless you're like an evil admiral every once in a while. <laughs> but evil other than that, <laughs> other than that, they're pretty united. Yeah. yeah. Always the admiral's fault. <laughs> but I think we crave stuff like that. And then you can think about stuff like that. And then maybe not necessarily situations we want to be in, like on the Enterprise, even though that would be also kind of a nightmare. We've talked about that before. (laughs) But like, you know, just the way that, you know, you were saying the characters would react. Like, how would you, how would you like to react to the situation? Would you like to, you know, solve this in a horribly violent, sociopathic way that would, (laughs) you know, basically Mm -hmm. doing what the enemy is doing? Or, you know, what do you want to see? Do you want to see someone retain their humanity throughout mm-hmm. a tough experience? And that's true, true courage and true power. And, yeah. And yeah. it's it's interesting, like, what what you hold on to in those moments. Um, what are you able to hold on to? What, what comes that's through? That's true. Which, which values do you discard when they become inconvenient is the question that right. keeps coming up in, in Star Trek a lot. Yeah, yeah. And with Wendy, when 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 is it time to pick up the baseball bat? Yes, you know. Yeah. When is when is talking over? You know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and uh, and and also like when is talking the most powerful weapon that you have? Right. Because right. I've, I've certainly had that experience as well. It's true. It's true. I've um yeah I don't I don't talk about it a lot but um because it's a very um it's. We like to, when talking about like uh, survivor stuff, we we're always aware of of whether or not our story is like 
the neat and tidy story that people will accept, or if it's one of those like, and I, I say this this term with you know air quotes, the gray area, you know where where things get right. messy, where it's not like a, you know stranger in an alley, right? You know, there, or or where maybe pe- people made some decisions that would cast doubt on the validity of of the trauma or or their complicity. Sure, sure. Use that as uh, an excuse to 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 delegitimize something, you know. Exactly. Yeah, like, you know, all of a sudden everything's invalidated. And so I've I've got loads of those. And uh and so <laughs> I don't always like <laughs> go into <laughs> go into the specifics of of some of my stuff because it's not neat and tidy. It does come down to like you have to understand the specifics of of the rules of consent, which is, you know, right, right. here's what matters about this story. And that's the only time that it becomes like it, it took a long time for it to be clear cut in my own mind because of the specifics. So I don't always give the specifics, but I do remember, it, you know, I was mentioning like the the power of of speaking, and it was um, having the incident that I've that I've mentioned before with uh, with being molested and stalked in another country by a monk. Yeah, but having the experience of having to manipulate somebody into giving me my safety back, into leaving my room uh, when they, you know, and and having the experience of ha- having him like look me dead in the eye and say like, I'm quite mad, you know. And uh, and then having him say that we were, we were fated to be together, that we were, you know, oh, like geez. cosmically united, that we were, uh, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to come yeah. out and say like it was India. So he was saying we, we're Radha and Krishna, you and I. You know, we're oh we're bonded on a spiritual level, and and got like really intense. And I had to, um, you know, and this was a person that I had trusted because they had taken holy vows that I took seriously. <laughs> um, yeah, right. And I was ignorant as fuck, and uh, and got into a really bad situation. And then I had to talk myself out of it. So I had to use his like inner worlds like the story that he was weaving i had to enter into his story right and, and his shit like and and strategize around and, that and work it into my advantage and like and i'll i'll be honest like i can't remember what the fuck i said but i like entered into his like romantic you know spiritual like yeah we're bonded and blah 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 you know and that's why you have to leave oh, right yeah. <laughs> like i know exactly and what twist you're talking it. about yeah yeah but like take control Oof. of the situation um, in a very uh, in a very cognitive way, and and so using my own creativity, um, you know the the power of of the spoken word to right right get this person to leave my room. Yeah, it's a and, tool of survival. Yeah. It was, and it was it was a very powerful experience. Um, and I have I don't I don't really talk about that aspect of it because it involves me admitting that I had a man in my room that I'm not happy with myself that I got into that situation. Uh, I'm not, I'm not proud of that, but I am proud of what I found in that moment. And that's like, I'll, I'll share what I'm not proud of in order <laughs> in order right. to, to, you know, and also like, you know, sharing, sharing that like, yeah, a lot of us might not be proud of, of everything that happens along the way. Um, yeah, I'm, but that I'm it still you. fucking matters, and and it's nothing to to be ashamed of, and uh, and that like every every moment stepping forward is a moment that you can that you can find strength, and that you can become the master of the story. Totally, totally. And, uh, dig deep and and find that strength. 
And you know what's interesting? That is such like what you're just describing. Like anytime you've seen that kind of tool used, like a woman using that power in a movie, it's always mm-hmm. the villain. It's never the protagonist. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. Yeah. It's always like um, women. Golden Eye, you know. Yeah. Um, the, the tongue and, you know, the women's manipulation uh-huh. being right, the right. evil tool. It's always, yeah, it's like this evil mistress, like spot, you know, special yeah. agent tool. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the idea of like the siren song, you know, that the, the yes, woman can make right. you do anything that, you know, she's behind the scenes manipulating. Right. James Bond these. is allowed to be the protagonist and do this, but the, the females <laughs> can't do the same thing. Yeah. It's, a, it's not it's right. A evil traits. Yeah. No. Well, well spotted. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Thank you so much for listening. Having shared the story of the young woman in the stairwell, I do want to clarify a few things. One is that she did in fact live, and while I won't share the specifics, I was told that it was an accident and that no one else was involved. It was not self-inflicted to my knowledge, and that wasn't the vibe I got. I do also want to clarify that while many people heard her, no one else came to help. That's the thing that continues to blow me away. I heard later that others dialed 911, but no one else came to the scene and it took a while for the EMTs to arrive. Had I not exited the building to press the emergency button in front of witnesses, it would have taken even longer for her to be located. She was bleeding to death and she was alone. I encourage everyone to take a Red Cross, First Aid, CPR, and AED training course if the time comes when you can afford it. If you work for a company, it is worth asking if they would cover or partially cover the cost. Having someone on site capable of operating the AED machine and able to respond to an emergency before EMTs arrive benefits any workplace. I have a seizure disorder and it disturbs me that were I to have a seizure in public, my chances of someone knowing what to do are very slim. The stats vary, but they do agree that most Americans do not know basic first aid. You can save a life, and one of the most powerful things you can do is gift yourself with the knowledge to be more confident in an emergency. The story is Also, an excellent example of something I've mentioned before, we never know what is going to be a trauma for someone. Having that experience in that stairwell wasn't a trauma for me, and I wanted to say that. It very easily could have been for someone else in my place, and quite possibly was for the woman who was hurt. Intense, scary, and painful things happen in life, And we are still learning what happens in the brain and the body to make an event a trauma for different individuals. Agency seems to be a key factor, and knowledge expands both your experience and your awareness of your own agency. Please write in with feedback, listener questions, or episode requests to podcast.findingok at gmail.com. Let me know if you're interested in joining me on the show. I would love to have you. Finding OK is crowdfunded and paid for out of pocket. I am unemployed in the pandemic and anything helps. 
A massive shout out to Sisters and Spirits Paranormal Podcast and to The Norm for your amazing contributions last week. Thank you both so much. Endless gratitude your way. Confetti, confetti, confetti. Air horn noises I won't subject you to. Yay! Please consider donating. You only need $1 to help. $15 more and this month will be fully funded. Please visit buymeacoffee.com backslash finding okay to contribute. A link can be found on the podcast website, www.finding-ok.com, and I post links routinely on my Facebook page. I also post relevant articles, art, memes, and resources daily. Feel free to friend me. Hecate F-O-K. H-E-C-A-T-E-F dot O-K-A-Y. You can also find me on Instagram. I've created a private Finding OK Facebook group for survivors. You are welcome there, and I hope you'll join us. Please take a minute to rate and review the podcast to help me reach more listeners. Reviews are featured on the new website, and you get a shout-out on the next episode. If you can't afford to donate, leaving a review and sharing online or through word of mouth is the best way you can help the podcast. Thank you so much for your continued support. Please share, subscribe, and donate if you can. Thank you again for listening. This has been Finding Okay. Black Lives Matter. Take care of yourself. Your heart is a muscle the size of your fist. Keep on loving, keep on pointing, and hold on. And hold on, hold on for your life.